the you kind of like this guy, but when you can't decide between the filet o fish or the Big Mac, and he says, I'll get you both. Thank you. You definitely <laughs> like this guy meal. Get it at McDonald's when you get two of your faves for just six bucks. Limited time only. Prices and participation may vary. Single item at regular price. Welcome to the Bald Move TV Podcast, the officially unofficial podcast for all the TV. I'm Jim. And I'm Aaron. Tonight we're covering three shows, Falling Skies, The Bridge, and The Strain. Um, that is a true statement. Only one of which is actually good, and I'll let it up to you guys to decide that. Okay. Uh, what do you want to talk about first? You want to go from good to bad, bad to good, alphabetical order? Uh... Let's pick randomly, because I already said I'm going to let them decide which is the good and which is the bad. How are we going to pick randomly? Uh, pick a number between one and three. <laughs> okay, two. <laughs> that is the only number between one and three, in fact. Uh-huh. Uh, all right, let's start with the bridge. So we watched episode two of season two called Ghost of a Flea. Uh, we actually watched episodes one and two mm-hmm. back to back, because I had not seen any of it. I dropped some science on the previous season to kind of get you up to speed. Yeah, I don't feel like I'm totally up to speed, I don't or, or even that. anywhere near up to speed. However, I also want to say that as a person who's watched this from the jump, that mm. some of these feelings you're intended to feel because you know you're you're we're beginning a brand new arc, okay? Uh, and some of the stuff surrounding Sonya in particular, I think, is just mysterious because that's the way it is. Sonya is the, the blonde uh, girl, the blonde police officer detective who's got the uh, social disorder, the Aspergers. <laughs> Does the... she ever? Wow. Yeah. So, what do you want to talk about? Because you're, you know, let's start with her. I, I don't get her motivations. I don't get anything about this woman. She's sleeping with the killer of her ex or of her sister. Mm-hmm. Uh, his his brother. Yep. She's got pictures that the killer drew on her fridge. Yep. I don't understand why she's doing any of this. You said there's some kind of quest on her part to understand why this happened. And I think that's that's explained you know, yeah. even in the first episode. And even, even her boss, uh, played by Ted Levine, Hank, uh, as he explained to the brother's killer, or the killer's brother mm-hmm. that he tracks down, and we'll talk about the problems I have with that later, hopefully. Uh, that she's got this focus problem, that she's got this, you know, and it does make her a very good detective. And you saw flashes of that uh, where she can just run down details and make connections. But mm-hmm. she's got this need to kind of figure things out and have things make sense. And it's, it, I don't think she'd ever come up with a satisfying answer if this guy was in a condition to give information. As it is, Ted um, Hank came in there and tried to blow the guy's head off and ended up just turning him into a uh, a highly functional vegetable. Okay. I mean, he's got like the mind of a two or three-year-old that he can draw crude pictures of crayons. Yeah. Um, and, and she collects these and she goes and visits him and like holds his hand and she's, she studies him like a scientist trying to figure out a puzzle because it's, it's, she, she needs this part of her life to have some sort of meaning Mm-hmm. But I think that's one of the interesting things about her because 
there is no meaning. There is no, I mean, you know, it's like, you know, there's a million reasons why this guy probably killed his sister, her sister, and none of them are going to be a satisfying answer. Sure, sure. And it also, I mean, this relationship that she's formed with his brother, mm-hmm. uh, they both kind of met in the hospital while visiting him, uh, is interesting. There's a shot in episode one, right after the raid, where they're coming out and the uh, the bridge. I'm, I'm just going to call him the bridge. I don't know his actual Marco. name. yeah. The, the face of the bridge uh-huh. uh, comes out, you know, in full riot gear, takes off his goggles, and this, there's a kid looking at him. And the kid, like, takes a shot at him with his fingers. Yeah. But a, a future cartel member. Yeah. And that's a super interesting question. Like, when combined with the idea that this guy's brother might not also be a bad apple, but Ted Levine certainly thinks he is, how much of that is bred into somebody? How much of that is genetics? How much of that is environment? It's it's a really interesting question, right? Yeah, and I, I like the way they played it because when he showed up at the pool, I'm like, okay, or I, I've I went to the knee jerk reaction of like, oh, they're going to reframe this guy as he's kind of evil and maybe taking advantage of, which which we didn't see at all in the sure. first episode, mm-hmm. but instead I thought they played it a lot more interesting where they leave it open to maybe Hank's just overreaching and being a dick to this guy for no good reason. Because if you take him at his word, this event fucked his life up. His Mm -hmm. dad committed suicide. His mother died shortly after, you know, he's kind of got this drifter thing going on. He clearly doesn't have a lot. I mean, he's a 40 some year old man. who has got a chain on his wallet for Christ's (laughs) sake. He's got a lot of questions in his, in his, in his life. A third of our audience, the chain-wearing 40-year-olds are gone. You They're just gone. drove them off. They're man. gone. They were a surprisingly large <laughs> amount of the bald move army. Yep. And I'm not judging. I'm just saying that maybe your father shot his head off with a shotgun and your mom died at a young age. And that excuses the chain. It's, it's, let, it's, it's left you somewhat adrift sure. in life. But uh, I, I don't know, man. I, I think that that's really interesting is that they, didn't, they don't usually take the easy – options which was one of the betrayals sure. of last season when the whole plot line devolved into as Seppenwall puts it the mustachio twirling serial killer <laughs> villain like it, everything became uh-huh. black and fucking white mm. and good straight up good versus crazy evil and joker level preposterousness and planning and i'm hoping that we don't yeah. go back to that i'm hoping we stick in the shades of gray sure i think this show belongs in shades of gray i mean they're Say what you want about the cartels. Yeah. Say what you want about the drug war on the other side. Uh, they're both reactions to a lot of different issues uh, socially that are going on in this country and obviously outside of it, right outside of it to the south. I think it's interesting to ask questions about that. No, it's And to ar- think thoughtfully about it, which it, most shows would not do. It's arguable. In fact, I, I do argue it. I think it's factual. That the U.S. drug policy is directly responsible for the murderous rampage that happens with the cartels down south of the border. I certainly think that's arguable. Yeah. And, you know, so, like, what moral culpability do we have on this moral crusade that we've got that we are, you know, thousands and thousands of civilian lives on there are being lost in a, in a war? I mean, it's... Yeah, and like I said, just creating those kids who think police are something to be shot at. Sure. Who think the police are the enemy. Well, except for the ones that you personally buy which that's so so before we move off of sonia and get into the bridge as you call him (laughs) the other interesting thing i think is fascinating about sonia 
mm-hmm. is that she is a, a person with Asperger's, some with a social disorder that makes her very hard to deal with, very hard to relate. She's very awkward. She's off-putting. Sure. But she's extremely attractive. Okay, yeah. And I think it's one of the interesting things is how men relate to her. Hmm. Because if she was a below average looking woman, this guy would have noped out of that conversation like within 30 seconds. <laughs> but because she's Diane hmm. Kruger, it's, eh, mate, well, she got my hands on her. Eh, okay, I guess this is happening. And <laughs> she, uh, that's one of her things is she kind of picks randos. To relieve her sexual urges and then oh, hits, them and, hits them and quits them. Well, not uh, dating your sister's killer's brother is definitely charting okay. new territory. But yeah, that was kind of her deal. Kind of similar to Carrie and Homeland. Yeah, I don't yeah. know if that's like someone sent an edgy memo. It's like, hey, if you want to <laughs> see the show that women are you know edgy and got just having having random sex with strangers? Uh, uh, and what does that say about society? But I do think that's that's interesting because if you put her into a man's body or to a below average attractive female, her social dynamic completely changes. Hmm. Yeah, no, that's probably true. Marco, speaking of shades of gray. Yeah, speaking of, uh, shit. Never mind. I, I can't remember the phrase you were you were saying. What? Uh, hit it and quit it. Oh yeah. <laughs> Marco has definitely hit a few people and hits a few people in episode two. That's funny because I was just telling because when these guys were giving instant looks, I was like, "Man, the last time something like this happened, he's pulled out his pistol and pistol whipped the dude." Yeah, and as I was finishing that sentence, he walked over and pistol whipped the dude. That was incredible. I I actually cheered during that. He's the Latino Raylan Givens. Okay, I his, can buy that. His dad was a gangster. His family are gangsters. He's become a cop as a reaction to that. He's the last mm-hmm. honest cop in Juarez, uh, but he's not entirely honest. This. This, yeah, yeah, the, yeah. The death of his son has pried open a crack for that Fasto um, Mexican gangster, his his uncle, to to get uh-huh. in his fingers in there because now he, you know, if he wants to get the vengeance for his son that he was promised, because this his serial killer is now locked up in federal prison, hmm. very hard to touch. Sure, if you want, you know, this favor, you have to do a favor for me, which is how all these cases. You know, I, I kind of wondered how they're going to put Sonia. And Marco together again because last mm-hmm. season it took uh, a, a, a double murder of an American <laughs> and, and a Mexican national bisected body right on the national right on the yeah. dividing line for that to kind of share the case and mm-hmm. now they got this thing. What I mean, what do you think of Marco as a character and this kind of rock and a hard place he's he's put himself into? It's super interesting. Uh, like you said, I do think he is by nature a good guy and trying to do the right thing and bust the people who need to be busted uh his uncle being a cartel member is tough because uh, i i didn't know the part about the federal prison stuff Mm -hmm. are are you talking about a federal prison in the u.s yes because most shows make it very make it seem very very easy to get to someone in well that's the thing I think I think for a criminal fa- it is. I think Faust could easily snap his fingers and have him executed in that prison. Okay, all right. But Marco said, "I want to be the guy to do it." Oh, that's okay. an order of magnitude harder. I didn't. Know and that, yeah. and like I think that Faust was just going to give him the first one because it's like you know it's my blood and yeah. But the other is like you know that's that's a major favor. In fact, you kind of wonder how the hell is this going to do it. 
Sure. And I know Sepinwall's on on one of the crowd where he's like, he, I don't even. I, I wish they just forget the serial killing ever happened because that's that's a shitty plot mm-hmm. that derailed the season. And I wish everyone could get amnesia and forget about it. But I'm actually interested as long as the serial killer never becomes something more than a carrot for for Barco. Sure. Um, and that kind of leverage to put him in because before he was just ultra virtuous. The dirt okay. crooked cops couldn't touch him because his uncle would be pissed, but Marco couldn't really push too hard against the corruption because his uncle, his uncle would be, would be pissed. pissed. Yeah. And he's just caught in this limbo note, which is one of the reasons he's a alcoholic womanizer. Sure. Sure. He's, which is you've seen it's it's his his as a direct result of his womanizing, you don't know this, hmm. but um he he the serial killer turned out to be a guy that he indirectly fucked over. Okay. Uh, by sleeping with his wife, and then they got in a car wreck that killed his son. So he went on, elaborated this 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 huge, um, elaborate plot to get revenge on Marco and also um, uh, Matthew Lillard because he was involved. Why is he mixed up in this whole thing? He was um, an alcoholic, dr- druggy guy, and he hung sure. out with this kind of me- Mexican playboy. And, All right, so uh, it's Matthew Lillard's real life. Yeah, he was like a, the passenger in a car that hit him, but he got out at the last minute. But you know, the the guy blamed him for enabling him. So there was this elaborate v- revenge huh. plot against the Mexican playboy Matthew mm-hmm. Lillard and uh, Marco to okay. take to take everything away from him that that Marco took from him. And as a result, Marco's lost his wife. Uh, his unborn baby. Obviously, his son died as a direct result. So he's he's a pretty tormented fellow. Wow. Yeah. Uh, I didn't know a lot of that going into this, which I don't know. It works even without that. Uh, yeah. I could tell, you know, just that he's obviously alone this entire these entire two episodes. Sure. So he's got no one around him. He's at the bar. He's drinking like a fish. He's uh, obviously stuck between, like you said, a rock and a hard place. And... You said he he took to his neighbor. I thought I thought that she was just kind of like a prostitute hanging around the bar. She's got a share. Someone has a shared balcony with him. That's and not if a, that's... I don't think that's the balcony. I think that's just like the you imagine a hotel, like a motel. That's like the uh-huh. because Sonia walked into that. It's like a common area. It's a courtyard. It so probably has living... an external staircase to get to it. He's living in. A motel? I think he's living... I thought these were like apartments well, above a okay, bar. okay, so you know like, like some Raylan. of these small towns we have, they have shops on the first floor, but they got living, you got dwellings sure. above. I think Absolutely. he's living above a nightclub bar that is connected with this. The top has got this courtyard to walk through, and you can. there's like a back entrance and a front entrance. And... Hmm. Okay. It's weird because I, that's one thing in this show, like I was talking about Sonia's living room and i've seen that thing like six times and i swear to god i could not pick out her room because it's always a different lighting condition yeah i feel like that she's got three different kitchens and five different front doors and it her 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 house is like a harry potter tent or a time lord's fucking police box you know if you walk in there it just constantly shifts and reconfigures itself oh my god nina's gonna throw a fit for you not knowing the name of that that's a tardis right there you go yep uh, anyway, uh yeah okay. go ahead yeah no i i like the character a lot i like the show a lot uh always pleased to see matthew lillard on the screen haven't seen him in a long time so he's he's the best he's great he's great without him this show would be so fucking dark and dreary yeah yeah i mean he is just doesn't take anything seriously his sobriety uh i mean the only thing he sure. is is you can tell that he 
And that's kind of his shtick that at one point he was a respected journalist that uh, somehow lost his job because of drugs and alcohol. Yeah. Got busted down to the El Paso times. Okay. Where, you know, um, yeah, obviously that's kind of in, in his mind, the hinterlands might as well be a Siberian work camp. But now sure. he's got his teeth in this big story, which involves the $60 million that went missing. Mm-hmm. Involves these three people that got uh, made citizens and then deported within six months of each other. Involves a uh, a, a transsexual man, a taxidermied human. It involves or pre-taxidermied human. It involves some Amish uh, Mennonite killer played by Frankie Patent. Yeah, we should probably talk about her. Uh, she has a pretty substantial plot line in episode two that i think sucks it's the it's the one part that i'm really not on board on because so why aren't you on board she she is washing herself up after killing a whole bunch of people in a a house a whole bunch of people in a house she's including her enforcer apparently yes yeah and leaving him in a car that's just driving around in circles with with the dog the taxidermy dog of the dea yeah agent like their drug sniffing dog yeah there's their a hero dr- yeah there's an undercover guy and this dog and they both got killed and yeah. the taxidermy dog got posed with this enforcer <laughs> so she's hosing herself off at a car wash and two kids come up one rides away on a bike after seeing her the other one sticks around and she T- well, she's sent- him back to her lair with, and she's tatted up like Vigo Mortensen in Eastern Pro- uh, Eastern Promises. She is, yeah, and she's also like forty something year old Frankie Frank Frankie Patente. I don't know how to pronounce her name in granny panties. Yep, yep. But she's got this fourteen, fifteen year old boy, and she lures him. She gets his help by offering her boobies and her vagina to sure. touch. Yeah, all of the above. So I get that. You know, originally she'd help because, you know, she's a woman and she's bloody and she's naked. And, you know, it's like, okay, well, there's this illicit thing. But, I mean, when she says, say goodbye to your brother (laughs) and, you know, takes you to, makes you do increasingly unsafe things and then takes you to a storage shed that's lined with plastic. At one point, you're like, you know what? Fuck this shit. I've got, I've got the internet lady. (laughs) Uh, can't touch the internet. Yeah, you can't touch the internet, but the internet won't reach out and stick a sh- sewing needle through your neck or however she's killing yeah, these dudes either. That's true. So I just felt like that this kid, this Kyle dude, is this one of the stupidest characters on television, and I just can't relate to a guy that's that blinded by horniness. Yeah, I mean, that's why I almost give him a pass, because you can tell that he totally is, and he's a 15-year-old boy. Uh, but why see- devote a whole episode? I mean, I, don't, I understand why she has to kill these two kids. They're they're witnesses to her crime. Sure. So she has to track down and kill these guys, and she's yeah. using Kevin to do so. Uh, I just wish that she'd either been a little bit more seductive about it and less overtly creepy, but I uh-huh. think she can't control it. You have an interesting theory which I thought was kind of brilliant when you were watching this. I do? What are you talking about? Well, I'll, I'll, oh, I'll with, refresh your mind. With her yeah. and Sonia? Yeah. Or I sure. wish she had just been more expedient about it. You know? Okay. But, but spending a whole episode on the half-assed, weird seduction of Kyle that I didn't buy is just kind of, ugh. Your theory. Yeah, I'm with you. Uh, so, <laughs> this is... I don't know if brilliant is the word to describe this. There's a lot of crotch-grabbing in this uh, this series. <laughs> And Sonya grabs a crotch. You need foreplay? Uh, sure, apparently. Uh, Sonya grabs a crotch. Frankie grabs a crotch. 
I'm just going to call her Frankie because I okay. don't know her real name. Uh, they almost seemed like parallel opposites to me. Like, like they have similar things about them in the way that they don't relate to people. Uh, they are very unsympathetic towards people um, and can't be for, for some reason. Yeah, like that she is the the mirror universe evil version of Sonya. Yeah, she is the goateed version of like, Sonya. Like if Sonya was picked up by Faust instead of Hank. Sure, uh, and use her powers for evil instead of good. Yeah, that that's well, whatever powers those may be. The the whole <laughs> but the whole like being able to turn her sexuality on and off and just yeah. to be able I, I think that's interesting and it would be really cool if it's kind of this chess match between the two off-kilter women sure going forward and, and i hope they use it you know in a more general sense like i've been talking about to show the the gray nature of the social issues here yeah right like you could be sonia or you could be frankie sure uh depending on how you're raised and your environment and just your situation in life how long can this woman be on the lamb before it starts to strain credibility because everyone in the entire North American continent is looking for her, apparently. <laughs> okay. You know, Sonya and Hank are looking for her because she's a, you know, material, she's a person of interest for the crime committed on their side of the border. Mm-hmm. Uh, Fausto is interested in her because she's kind of his fixer or uh, some sort of yeah. enforcer. And then she's got this information of what happened to $60 million. And also, uh, he made a big deal about killing gringos last year. Like, you can't just do it. Because it, okay. it it tracks the wrong guy. He's a businessman, right? You don't sure. fucking yeah. piss off the DEA and all that. And, and you got to investigate a murder, for sure. Yeah. Uh, well, she killed, like, a, a house full of people. <laughs> either that uh, or she butchered that dude up and just scattered his parts hither and thither all throughout the house. <laughs> I'd buy either one. Yeah. Uh, but that I wonder if he's pissed at her. Could be. Could but be. But he just wants her back. Uh, Marco wants her because... He, it's, it's, you know, he's got this leverage from his uncle. Why did she kill her enforcer, her sidekick? I don't know. Are we supposed to know that? I don't think so. Not at this point. I don't know. He made some comment about after they pick up Yankee, which is the dog, that they, they want to talk and he wanted to tell her some of his thoughts or something like that. I, she's also got this really extreme reaction to people touching her without uh, their permission. So I almost wonder if it's, like a crime of passion, like maybe he tried to take advantage of her and she just straight up killed him, hmm, or maybe. maybe she was pissed because he didn't follow her directions about the being in the same line. And I mean, I I yeah, don't know that could be it because I I feel like that that's that show with with the Yankee and the dog going around in circles that that was deliberately. I mean, they're trying to send a message there, but I'm not sure to what or to whom. Yeah. Um, so I, 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 I don't know. And there's an, you know, these shows where I only watch once and we just do the half-assed TV show on, uh, I can, I'm always scared whether I'm just not getting some of the clues or the, we're just not supposed to understand them. Sure. Yeah. Because this all ties in the $60 million ties into the plot line with Fausto killing out this old female Mexican gangster. Okay. And like this border tunnel that was between El Paso and Juarez that this widow, uh, inherited when her husband died, who had all these shady cartel connections she had nothing, no idea about. There's hmm. this all connects somehow, but I just, you know, I, 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 I don't know, and I don't know whether it's because I'm slow and I haven't paid attention yet, or because 
we just aren't supposed to know all the connections to it. Okay. Uh, that original raid, what was that about? I think was that just, part of the sixty million dollars? I don't was think that so. Just I think that's Marco to show his... that he was being hunted by someone in his department. I think it was is Marco doing his job, and someone on inside the force was trying to send him a message that I, we can kill you at any time. Yeah, just to scare him not to actually try to to kill him, which is why he came and beat the sh- ever-living shit out of the guy later. I feel like that might not have been the guy. I think that it's the mustached uh, Ron Jeremy clone <laughs> that is the real culprit. I mean, look at him. He's obviously a bad guy. You can yeah. tell by his hair and his mustache. I would, I would just say that he did turn out to be a pretty good dude last season. Okay. I, I remember right. thinking that there was something off about him, but it turned out he was a really good de- dude last season. No, there's something off about him. I right. wish we'd met, done more about Uncle Rico and his ranch for troubled uh, Mexican undocumented oh, yeah. working girls. Mm-hmm. Uh, because that, them and that Steven Linder character, uh, who's the coyote that is just seems like he just tries to save women from Juarez. Yeah. Are one of the more interesting things about the show, and they just we just got the barest hints. Sure. Uh, yeah. So you didn't get to see any of that. You barely saw Fausto. Yeah. I I was really worried that you wouldn't even get a, a chance to meet him. Oh, that scene was great. Uh, and his like the lawyery sidekick. Yeah. What is that's the first hint we've got? Because I, I assumed that Fausto, even though he's kind of like you know trucker hat and you know kind of he's very unassuming clothes. He's yeah. but he lives in this fucking mansion. Hmm. Like this castle with those giant roaring fires and bearskin rugs and just like he's he's one of those dudes he's like Mark Cuban he's he's gonzo wealthy and he runs around in flip flops and cargo shorts awesome no sense of style this is the first hint that, that he's not maybe the Don Eladio Breaking okay. Bad reference of this universe that there might be someone one step a, a higher but is that guy political yeah or is he still one higher rung of the un, you know in the underworld or what. Sure. What do you make of the new Mexican regime in Chihuahua and the new prosecutor? Mm. Because I am very much – I was of the opinion that he is a good guy working for a corrupt boss and that mm. him and him and Marco are going to kind of work to bring down the police corruption in Chihuahua, the Mexican state of Chihuahua. But I also could easily buy that he is a long con bad guy. Or that his boss, yeah. the whole new regime, is trying to do something different. Because it doesn't seem like the DEA has the Mexicans' best interest in mind. They just want to make a name for themselves and to you know score a coup. And now it's personal between them and Fausto. They want him tried in an American judicial system and put in an American prison. Hmm. Yeah, yeah. I The thing that really throws me... I, I would say that they're trying to actually hunt people down who need to be hunted down and arrested if it weren't for the very first scene that we see um the dea guy the the big dude the kubiak the the miniature painter yeah yeah uh we see him talking with the new head of whatever uh it's not the president. No, I feel the, like there that is that's, a new president, but that's not him. That's probably the equivalent of the attorney general, like of the new administration. Okay. Yeah, w- whatever guessing. he is. Yeah, uh, it seems like he appoints that guy as the the investigator on the spot, on a whim. Yeah, because the other guy's like, "I'm, I'm what? I, uh, okay. I didn't know that. Okay, sure." But between that and when we next see him, he seems to be on some kind of page. 
with the rest of the program. And the head guy that he's talking to behind the desk is so dismissive of the DEA guy uh, and any kind of plans that he might have that I feel like he's not working with them. He's working against them. Yeah, but on the other hand, like Marco explains, it seemed like it's kind of a rite of passage for these guys. They come in, they bust a few crooked cops, they put them in jail for a couple weeks, they get in the newspapers, they make their name, everybody gets out, and it's business as usual. Okay. So it's kind of like some crusader coming in there does not necessarily mean he's a good guy. But then this guy seemed to move right away. He's like, no, I got the I got the huevos to see this thing through. And he's kind of feel, feeling out Marco to see if he's got it to go all the way. But now Marco's compromised. Yeah, yeah. Which she doesn't know. I, I don't know. I, I, this this stuff is the super interesting part about the, mm-hmm. the bridge to me. All the political things and the... Horseshit stuff that goes on in the drug war and the stuff with the cartels. Yeah, my gut reaction says that the guy above the guy who's talking to Marco in the bar and is the field investigator, uh, the guy above him is probably corrupt and has been put into power to maintain the system that they've got. Hmm. Status quo. I don't know. That's what my gut says based on that first scene that we saw them in. Okay. Are, do you want to talk more about the bridge? Or should we move no, on I think I'm to good. Uh, let's the strain. go to the strain, yeah. Okay. Uh we probably will not uh we will not have a bald move T V next week, so next time we'll catch up the bridge will probably be two weeks, maybe slightly longer. Hmm. Um but uh, I'll try to remember to keep the those Wednesday shows, man. Uh, yeah. the Wednesday Monday shows are so far out of our usual habit that it, it I, I gotta start setting alarms or something for. But I'll try to keep a, get a show thread for so we can discuss it because it's it's one of my favorite shows on television right now. All Let's right. talk about Let's talk about the strain, uh, episode two, the box. I felt like this episode really drove off a cliff. <laughs> it had less of the things that worked about the show. The things that did work relied on a lot of things I wasn't really a fan of, and mm. the central problem of this show is that. I do not feel any empathy for the hero. Ephraim? Is that for his name? For Dr. Ephraim, yeah. yeah. I mean, it starts out with the unfortunate choice of names. Sure, not a great name, Ephraim. And, and they need to make Lord Walter Frey the hero because he's sure. super invested in. Yeah. A vampire hunting former uh, prisoner of a Nazi concentration camp who yeah. apparently one of the Dr. Minglas of this universe became a vampire <laughs> and they've got this personal relationship. Yep, yep. I'm all in on that. I want to know sure. more. This fucking uh, Pete Russo in a bad toupee yeah, with, he... with da- son and daddy <laughs> issues and it's complete delusional denial about. I, I just don't give a shit, man. I, I don't like him. I, I don't know what they're doing with him. He's Definitely supposed to be sympathetic, but because he's torn between two things that he ostensibly loves. He loves his work. He says, I love my work. And it's important. Sure, he's doing great, important work for everyone. Uh, That's a good thing. But how much does he love his kid, right? I mean, he, when put to a choice, he makes the choice not to see his kid. And it's only by the suggestion of someone else that he goes to actually see his kid in this episode. Yeah, I mean, it's like, I mean, it's one of my pet peeves to have. It's like, because I, you know, I maybe you don't, but I know these type of parent that 
on Facebook likes to post pictures of them having, you know, spending the some time with their kid and post stuff like my kids are the world. Mm-hmm. But then you know that that's not the truth. They're always pawning their kids off on their parents or they're always go, you know, doing stuff. Their their they their actions disprove that hmm. their children are the central place in their life. Sure. That's him. I'm not making any moral judgments about that because there's all kinds of different dads. There's all kinds of different ways relationships work, and you know maybe one's better than the other. But on the other hand, we need people to work for the CDC. Sure, we need people to be hard bitten, driven cops that fucking drink and womanize and solve murders because apparently that's the only way you can. Apparently, yes. Television has taught me that. However, what I can't abide is someone saying that to their seven year old kid, "Your most important thing to me, and I don't want to make this work, buddy." But I'm going to continually show that you are not as important as my job. Yeah. And I'm going to put you through this fucking divorce proceedings and custody battle, which is brutal. I mean, if you ever talk to a kid that's been through one, it's not fun. Sure. When the best thing probably is for your mom to get custody and me have visitation every other weekend and maybe one night a week. For this and guy, I'll probably, yeah, probably miss so. half of those anyway. Uh-huh. And I'll probably continue missing half your birthdays. Why the fuck is this guy fighting for full fucking custody? That's not a battle I can get because behind. Because he thinks that's the right thing to do, and and He's, he may fail at it. And, but then his okay, there's their thing, and then his speech and the a, Alcoholics Anonymous is so self serving and so diluted. Sure, that again, it's like are they establishing this character as just an asshole, <laughs> or are we supposed to like this guy as the hero? I think we're supposed to feel bad for him. I just want to know, like, the guy, like, Guillermo del Toro, does he have some really bad shit going on with his family life? Or what? why does he think that this is sympathetic? I don't know. I, I don't know. I'm, I'm not really on board with his whole storyline, especially when he tries to call for the quarantine and they don't allow it. They being some lady, from, some survivor from... The plane who works who for has... an important law firm in New York City. Yeah, do you know who I am? Do you know who I work for? Within 30 seconds, she can call the the, the Department of Health and Human Services at the White House and have them intervene yeah. in this matter. Which we talked about. It's, it's ridiculous. Like... There's so much information here that says that this is potentially an epidemic uh, or, or, or could become one if let out. And yeah. yet they just shut down the quarantine completely. Yeah, you and I are saying, like, show her the fucking worms, man. You don't even have to do that. Just look at these survivors. They, they have, look fucking terrible. Their eyes are full of blood. <laughs> their skin is pale and pasty. They're, They're sweaty. Running They're running a like, Yeah, the one pilot. What the fuck? It's crazy. Their ears are ringing and their <laughs> it's It's insane. Like, I started halfway through the out. episode. It's like, it makes sense that the victims themselves are deluded into their fine because they're being controlled sure. by these fucking worms. Okay. Also, Whatever. a natural person's reaction would be, I just want out of this quarantine. I've sure. been in here for a long time. Just let me out. I want to get out. Even if you're not in controlled uh, by yeah. a bunch of worms, it's slowly changing your anatomy. I, I get <laughs> sure. that. Yeah. But for the human beings to be like, yeah, well, you know, this thing was full of freaky worms. Mm-hmm. and We've got one in a box I could show yeah, you. Yeah, I could show you. Look at it. It's, it's fucking crazy. See when crazy. I put the blood up next to it? It goes fucking insane. Yeah, dangle your arm in there. Let's see what happens. I, the fact that he didn't even mention it. Like, hey. Yeah. Yeah. There's this possible uh, pathogenic. For- no, it's a. It's you've got a bunch of fucking freaky worms all over the place. The coffin disappeared. We've already broke containment. Yep. Got, I mean, the next ha- morning, the morgue where these bodies were shipped is fucking trashed, oh, and nobody's there. We haven't even gotten the report from the coroner yet. The next scene is them walking <laughs> out and getting the report from the coroner. We haven't even seen it for, but we're gonna lift the yeah. quarantine. Yeah. This and I get that. Okay, the vampires are high ranking and they got friends in high places. 
but then why are they using weird uh, thugs to do their yeah, dirty work? Shadowy and, underworld type stuff. And why do they need the four healthy people as well as the army of dead that's also going around infecting people? I don't know. Because they openly said that the old rich guy who's dying mm-hmm. said, oh, well, if this, uh, you know, this, this quarantine continues, it's going to uh, delay our plans. How the fuck is it going to delay your plans? So I think Those that... Those three groupies that Marilyn Manson, <laughs> you bit. know, blood fucked, yeah. are not going to accelerate the plague beyond the 200 corpses walking around biting and warming people up, right? Yeah, I wonder... So I, I think we talked about this in the first episode where we talked about the show. There are three classes of monster in this, right? There's super, super Dracula monster, yes, which lifts coffins into the air, came out of the box. Then there are the walker type You're run-of-the-mill uh, vampire. But then there's a third class, which is like the survivors, or not even the survivors. Like, the girl was dead. The little girl was dead. I she think... came back, and now she's biting people through the neck. I think we should call them zompires, because there's some zompires. unholy fusion of, of zombies and vampires, because they're kind of getting looking necrotic, sort of. Mm-hmm. But they still have, you know, I mean, some, especially the ones walking around exposed brain pans and yeah, yeah. Their, their chest hanging open. That's going to be those guys walking around the streets of New York is. <laughs> and again, this happened at a big medical facility. Yeah, we nothing. We've heard nothing from this. So, so apparently the whole facility has probably been taken over. I would think so. Yeah. Half of Manhattan's probably fallen by now. Nobody knows it. Whatever. But yet these four people, if they don't, if, if the lawyer, the pilot. The rock star and, what, the millionaire and his wife? I'm not sure who the other person is. Yeah, I don't know. If they don't get out, uh, the plans are fucking busted. I don't <laughs> I don't get it. I'm not sure, man. I, I think this show has a lot of potential plot holes in it uh, and just a lot of bad writing to get to where they want to be. They need to get Van Helsing out of prison. Sure. Uh, they need to get. They need to push the gas on the vampire also, plot. Also, speaking of Van Helsing in prison, why is he in prison? Did he yeah. get arrested for having a sword at the airport? Is that just the entire thing? Maybe. Maybe he's held for, you know, he's... Because he was held overnight, which, fine, whatever. Overnight stay is not uncommon. He's uh, not out either. He's not out. He's being... Detained. He's given a lawyer. Well, not given a lawyer, but his lawyer shows up, so he's probably going to be there for a while. That's not even his lawyer. It's the fucking... Well, they think it's his lawyer, yeah. Medical, Nazi medical doctor, apparently. I don't know, man. I feel like they, they really need to get a move on on the parts of stuff. Because the stuff that works, like, I thought it was the... I'm kind of cool, interested in seeing what this master's all about. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think You're about that, the old guy uh, drinking whiskey and pills? <laughs> no, I don't give a shit about him. I think that he's... You're talking about the Nazi guy. The... No, I'm talking about the guy in a coffin that's got this big cloak, oh, and he's right. like, you know, the head vampire. I want to see yeah, what yeah. he's all about. It's very Nosferatu sort of. I don't know why he needs him. this billionaire guy because this billionaire guy it was all cocky. He's like, oh yes, we're going to have his, take advantage of his power, and then he gets in this guy's presence and he rolls over and wets himself. Yeah, uh, but they need to get on him. They need to free Van Helsing, and they need to get these vampires doing interesting things because I'm very quickly losing patience. Yeah, interesting that there's no narration in this episode. There's none of that love Yeah, they dropped that shit. That's gone. That was like a pilot thing, and the network sent back notes and was like, fuck that. Yeah, what is this? Let's get fucking monsters. Let's get some idiot CDC. Let's just do this upright. Yeah, what is this? The David Lynch Dune? You can't have voiceovers (laughs) in in, 
uh, mass entertainment. No way. Um, I don't. Here's the thing. I don't know why I hate uh, Ephraim and I like Marco because they're kind of the same guy. Yeah. Because Marco doesn't have any kids to abandon? I don't know. Duh. I mean... Well, I, they're all dead, right? But last season, especially, he was the same guy. He abandoned mm. his son. There was, was these strain okay. between them. And, and I, I don't know why this womanizing alcoholic drives me crazy, and I really feel sympathetic to... Is it because he's a better he's better at performances? I don't buy that because better Peter writing. Russo was compelling as hell in the sure. House of Cards. And it was sim- similar character. <laughs> yes, is another alcoholic, an alcoholic, uh-huh. womanizing guy who wants to be a good dad, kids. but he just everything gets in the way. Yeah, uh, I feel like it's part of the writing. I mean, you've got him drinking fucking milk. I <laughs> he, he's uh, can why I about that? Why oh, do they shackle him with this toupee? It's ter- <laughs> why. He is. I don't know, man. He's badass without it. Yeah, I he never, doesn't need it. I never. I never had a problem with him being a womanizing drunk and a house of cards and 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 pulling high class tail. Uh. Uh-uh. He doesn't need some weird Christian Slater wig from the nineties for me to buy him <laughs> as a drunk womanizer. Yeah, it's really distracting. You're you're right. It'd be one thing if I'd never seen the guy before. Yeah, but I know that's not what he looks like. Yeah, I know he can't have hair like that. If you wanted a guy with hair like that, cast a guy like that with hair. Sure. Ah, uh, I you know I I can tell because there's a there's a small vocal contingent in the in our comments that really like this show. Okay. Um, and I I understand wanting a horror film, a horror show, a serious horror show to succeed on television because they so rarely do. Mm-hmm. I just again don't see a lot of redeeming qualities and the stuff they nail like the girl in the bathtub oh man they nailed that yeah super creepy super effective but the premise of this little girl walking home and <laughs> her dad in this all dark thing. i mean it's like intentionally creepy and i don't think like i can't remember the last time i bathed my son in a jet black house at three o'clock in the morning after i personally <laughs> called the cdc guy to thank him for releasing my daughter and him saying what the hell are you talking about she's dead yeah, I mean, th- this that and was a he, great effective scene, but it's undercut by all the bullshit that went with it. Yeah, yeah, not being able to tell that your daughter is not normal by just by looking at her. I mean, we've talked about the survivors with their blood filled eyes. Uh, this girl's obviously not normal, and anyone who can't tell that is an idiot. Yes, and well, or you know, maybe they should try looking at her in, in normal light. <laughs> I don't think he so, turned on yeah. a light in his house since she came in that one night saying she's cold. Yeah. What do you think about the the street thug and his relationship with his brother and his mom and the fact that he, against all evidence, survived the encounter with the master in the box? I feel like he's going to be important going forward, but I can't I fathom so why. So here's what I think is going to happen. He has this argument with his brother about stealing that clock and being a junkie, right? I feel like that was all build up to him taking the clock back to uh, Walter Frey. He's going to be a foot soldier for Van Helsing, teaming huh? up with Van Helsing. Like, look, I saw some fucked up shit with this box that I took down here. I know where it is. I can take you over there. I don't know how this conversation is going to happen because it seems like there's no point to it happening. Uh, there's no reason it should happen, but it will. It will happen, and they will team up, and they will go try to fight Nosferatu or whoever this is. I just I can already see the kind you know Walter Frey looking visibly annoyed every time he says the word puto 
and he's gonna be like, sure, you know, nice, sure. nice ink, old man. Check out mine, and I just it'll have a little buddy comedy to it. Yeah, no, that's not comedy. <laughs> that's terrible. Oh, I know, I know. Most buddy comedy is. Uh, yeah, yeah, and I guess that would be how maybe Van Helsink will know how to get on to his case. Walter Van Helsink, because he'll know how to contact the Nazi guy because he's worked for him. Sure, that's a good that's a good theory of how they're going to move the plot forward. Yeah, I think it's just good. not super excited because I think the character's terrible. The actor, I can't tell if he's terrible because I know Corey Stoll is a good actor. Sure, if but if I'd only seen him in this, I think he's a ham fisted jackass. <laughs> yeah, that just goes yeah. to show that the the script, the direction, and the part can do so much to influence what we think of as good actors, bad actors. That's See totally also true. Halle Berry extant. Yeah. You know? Halle Berry's hit or miss, but... That's what I'm saying, but I mean, like, the you know, same thing is, um, uh, is Natalie Portman a good, a good actress? Mm. Or did she just get a good role in V <laughs> for Vendetta? <laughs> I mean, she's been in a lot of great stuff, but she's also been in shit where she just a, a clunker. I mean, I'm trying to think mm-hmm. of any actor that's immune to being in shit roles. I mean, you know, if, yeah. if all we knew from Sean Connery is I think that Tom Cruise is pretty immune to that. Tom Cruise and yeah. bad roles. Yeah, yeah, I don't think I've seen a bad Tom Cruise movie. Well, that's Scientology for you. Paul Newman? Once Paul you're Newman never in a bad... Once you're an OT8, you're immune to, to <laughs> blockbuster bombs and shitty scripts. You can play yeah. yourself in every single movie and run like Tom Cruise and make a million bucks. I, I don't know that you can. Al Pacino has not done so well with that. Yeah. He's had some clunkers. Same thing with... Uh, and he just plays himself yeah, over and yeah. over. Well, I don't know. It's like he just plays the same guy, Mad Dog and Glory. Ever yeah. since that, that's been it. Yep. I, I don't know. It's it, I'm just... you know, Every time I say someone so is a bad actor or a good actor, you just think that... No, so much goes into it. It's not just on sure. them. It's on, like you said, everyone involved in the production. Uh, speaking of bad actors and good actors and uh, maybe blurring the lines, let's talk about Falling Skies. Let's do it. We're talking about season four, episode five, titled Mind Wars. Uh, there's a lot of mind wars going on in this episode. That's a, a fitting title. Tom and Tom gets captured. Weaver and Matt. Do you know any of the names of these characters? Oh, God, no. Okay. Tom, I got Noah Wiley, Noah grizzled Wiley. military guy. He's Weaver. Uh, spacey ethnic, or, uh, you know, spacey ethnic looking. Lourdes? T- tough, tough ethnic looking. Wait, spacey Bl- ethnic looking. Blonde alien chick. These okay, are Lexi, the, These are how yeah. I know them, yeah. All right, so Tom gets captured by two dudes who were pretending to be good guys, and it turns out they're, uh, working for the aliens. Uh, and Weaver and Matt aliens. have to save him. He thinks that Weaver and Matt are dead. Uh, Matt's his son, mm-hmm. if you didn't pick that up. And there's there's a lot of mind games going on there. He's trying to get in the head of the brother, um, which eventually works. And the brother turns on his brother after finding out that he, his his brother gave his kids to the aliens as a way to get out of their predicament. That happened in this episode? Yeah. Well, he didn't give the kids away in this episode. Okay. It's just backstory that we never saw. Oh, okay. Because I was like, wow, shit. I thought I watched this closely. No, but... no, no. But he got into his head, and that all came out in this episode. I was reading the um, Falling Skies wiki in the back, so it's like I'm, you know, I was kind of oh, okay. let... I'm just kind of letting this wash over me. And it's got a lot of a lot of back catalog. It does. Three it seasons does worth, so... and especially since I can't tell any of the aliens apart, and I don't know okay. if this is racist. No, I definitely can. After you get used to but seeing they them, all look like a roach's asshole, and they all talk like 
uh, a dude that's gargled acid, and I, I can't tell like if this this is hoodie alien and this is rifle slung over shoulder alien. Yeah, if they switch costumes, I'm lost. I don't know rifle over his shoulder alien's name, but I, the other guy is Cochise. He's he's kind of the main Volm who's been communicating and friends with Tom for a couple of seasons. I was trying now. to figure out whether the Volm is that's a, if that's a a CGI mask, mm. if it's a practical mask. That's like the real human mouth, but then they are used radio-controlled eyes, or it's a blend of prosthetic and CG. Yeah. It's startlingly effective. I I yeah. can't believe how good some of the special effects on this show are. Some of them, yeah, are incredible. There's some that are kind of like, I feel like the big walking mechanical suit things are acceptable. They're fine. They're Battlestar Galactica level. They're Yeah, they're a little <laughs> bit better than the Centurions from there. I mean, they. Uh-huh. but there's something like, I don't believe that, the animators necessarily know their mass and where they're stepping, but the but the alien faces and some of that kind of practical stuff looks amazing. Yeah, definitely. Um, so there, there's that plot line, which I thought, you know, that's what Tom is good at. He's good at reading people. He's good at getting in their heads. What are they? Tor- what are they trying to torture out of the willowy alien? Uh, I think they're trying to get the plan for Lexi. Like why why are you connected to Lexi? Uh where is this alien who like runs the show? I think they're trying to get just information about what's going on here. Do you know what flowers, what significance flowers has? No, because I that don't. seemed like it meant something to the tough eth- ethnic looking woman that was torturing Anne, him. Yeah. She, it it definitely did. I don't know what she means. I don't either, obviously. Yeah, obviously. If I've seen four seasons of this and don't know. Who was the guy that was uh, being sympathetically tortured along with the thing? Ben. That is uh, Tom's one of Tom's other sons. So there's Hal, Ben, and Matt. And okay. Hal is the oldest one. And He's... Tom's Noah Wiley. Yes, Tom is okay, Noah Wiley. Gotcha. Uh, Matt is the youngest who was with him this episode uh, and he thought was dead. And Ben, they, but these guys—they all have the harnesses attached to no, them. No, just Ben, just Ben. Yeah. But Ben's broken free of the harness, like he's his own man. So yeah, there there used to be these giant bug-like things on their backs uh-huh. for the kids. That's what the full harness is. Yeah, but they pulled his off partially. This was back before. So when the Volm came, they gave them the technology to completely remove the harnesses. Okay, but he still has his spikes in his neck because they took it off before that. Ah. Uh, and they, you know, had never seen this thing before, and they were lucky to even get that. So he can still be controlled by the aliens, and so the Elspa can like, or is that isn't their name, the Elspa? Esfini. 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 However, the, you so the Esfini can somehow hack his harness, even though it doesn't have the bug mind control bug. Yeah, on it. they can control his mind and speak through him, and apparently he feels the pain that they feel. Not just feel. I mean, his body it, is contusing and doing all that stuff. Which I'm like, how does that? fucking work yeah psychosomatic injury <laughs> i mean like i buy that you feel the pain is real but like the you know forming bruises and broken bones that that's some crazy shit yeah so does he I get anything out of his harness or is it just he's like a conduit for these guys he does i think he has super strength oh. i think he's really strong and a little faster than normal i think huh i don't know they they played that up a lot in season two but i'm not sure if they're still going with that okay uh did you um, the, what else do you have to say? Because I want to talk about what your reaction to this show being renewed is. I I don't know. The stuff with Lexi is super uninteresting to me. I used to like Lourdes a lot. And no, is Lexi? She's the blonde girl. She's the that, blonde alien. But yeah. she has some kind of seizure when people make her angry. Was that what they yeah, were saying? It seems like she just 
overreacts to stuff. And she's like Storm. She can control the weather. She can control lightning and wind. And... But that feels like the three-year-old's version of, I'm going to hold my breath if I don't get my way. Oh, completely. Well, if you upset me, I, I'm, I'm going gonna... to hold your breath if <laughs> yeah. I don't get my way. <laughs> yeah. Pretty much. Or I'm going to run a fever and go into convulsions and make you feel like shit. Yeah. That seems, that character just seems designed to just annoy me. It's super designed to annoy me. Because, uh, you know, there's this crazy like cult religious following around her, which I'm not sold on. And I'm glad people are actively rebelling against that with Ben and Maggie. Um, I, I don't know. It felt like when she was, you know, first she was sucking the oxygen out of Anne's lungs. So Anne couldn't breathe. That's her mom. Cause she got angry. Yeah. Okay. Um, and then she kind of realized what she was doing and she like short circuited somehow. So I right. feel like, you know, it was her conscience that put her in the state that she was in toward the end of this episode. Someone needs to walk up to her and say, everything I say is a lie, just so her brain fries, melts, and then we can move on. <laughs> Cannot compute. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I'm not on board with that that storyline very much. Seems like Pope's on board with the rest of the crew, though, at this point, because he's no, working, I, working with Matt. And Yeah, I mean, once he... Uh, or n- not Matt, Hal. Once he took down the shield wall... Mm-hmm. Everything, it's it's all good in the hood with him, for sure. I don't really know what else there is to talk about the show. Uh, I, Are they ever going to reveal how Noah Wiley survived jumping off that twelve story? No, jump. No, they won't. That's a, kind of a big problem for me. Yeah, I assume he landed in the water, but that's eh. super unlikely. Yeah. Also, why are they having a hard time finding supplies? This uh, is the classic Walking Dead. Like, there's been a Holocaust. How much of humanity has been killed? I. I feel like a lot of it, like a lot, a lot, like maybe 80%. Like, is this an alternate universe where Dick's Sporting Goods and Home Depot and, like, why are they struggling to find shit like coffee cups and just basic camping supplies? Uh, That's a really good question. I know that most cities are just burnt out husks at this point. Like, rubble skyscrapers are just... Everything within a you know fifteen mile radius of a downtown. So this super, metro they even area. went after the the suburbs too. Then it, that's the thing. Like us, even assuming they took out every real city in the country, you still have the suburbs. I mean, fifteen miles out of Indianapolis, you've got that's where that's that's the that's the real heart. That's where of, most people live. That's in the heart of Dick Sporting Goods territory. Yeah, you don't so, find Dick Sporting Goods in downtown Chicago. <laughs> no, well, you you do. You, do you? I feel like Chicago's sh- weird, man. That's a Schomburg type of thing. That's a. You'd be surprised. Really, Ch- Chicago's got some like high rises with yeah they got the malls like department downtown. stores yeah, at no. the bottom of them it's it's a little strange but you're right but you're right most of the stuff would be out in the suburbs but then you got to wonder okay when the shit went bad in the cities did people raid those in the suburbs mm. well that, that just goes to shows like you know I, that's my problem with the walking dead either 95 percent of humanity is destroyed in which case there it should be a looter's paradise sure tons there's of just so much durable goods just laying around especially since the zombies didn't go like independence day style and <laughs> blow shit up yeah, you know and think about like the gas situation yeah you would have gas stations just full of gas well the thing with gas more gas than you could ever the thing with gas is gas to. does not goes bad sure it does like unless you stabilize it and even then it's not like infinite i mean that's Getting to be a problem with Walking Dead, their gas supply should be about over. Yeah, yeah. For use in vehicles. You could use mm-hmm. it for 
making flaming zombie pits and flamethrowers and cooking shit and stuff like that. But actually putting yeah. in a motor view, mo- uh, you know, especially something with fuel injectors and having it go, I no, not so much. Okay. Diesel. Sure. Diesel's good for forever, as far as I am uh, can, can tell. Yeah. But you would think that stuff would be around everywhere. Yeah, that's true. I mean... Especially something like the zombie apocalypse where the, the landscape is untouched. Sure. I mean, as long as... As long as you can get through the zombie horde, the stuff is still there. Sure. Uh, with this, I feel like there was a little more destruction, mm. um, but I, I don't know how far it reaches. Okay. So, again, are you surprised that they renewed it? I mean... No. No, so I'm not. it's a reasonably I, good hit for TNT? I, it's gotta I be genuinely though. enjoy the show. I mean, it has its moments of just complete bullshit, but yeah. overall, I think it's a generally solid show. Yeah, especially if you like science fiction. Sure. Because there's not... Yeah. I mean, uh, the way it unravels its plot is incredible to me because we're just now we're in season four. We're just now getting to the point where I understand what the skitters are. Mm. Like they showed us last episode that they were humanized. They were skitterizing humans. The the skitters who came down to Earth from the Ashvini ships must have been a previous race that they skitterized. Well, didn't I mean, um, I'm just gathering this from reading the wiki, but it seemed like that there's a skitter rebellion of some sort where there's some skitters that sure. have been able to overthrow their domination of this Finney and, and yeah, that was a plot them. last season, and it pretty much ended when the leader of the the skitters got killed, really? the skitter rebellion got killed. Yeah, huh. he had like a red patch on his face. No, I see it's very kind of Half Life University where you've got mm-hmm. the um, I forget what the, the people that run the Citadel are called, the Combine. The Combine are these, like, big floating mind control worms, and they've kind of enslaved other races, and, Mm -hmm. you know, or, you know, the Urquan from Star Control is that kind of plot. Yeah. We don't have a lot of good science fiction options. I feel like we're ripe Mm. for a science fiction renaissance, just kind of like where you've had a fantasy renaissance with Lord of the Rings that kicked it off, and now we've got Game of Thrones and The Hobbit and all kinds of stuff. We just need... Fuck, what is his name? Sam Neill to do another Event Horizon. And boom, we got <laughs> a sci-fi renaissance. All right. <laughs> uh, I don't know. Do we Do we have anything else we want to talk about? I know. Uh, two weeks from now, I'll probably have some more thoughts on Masters of Sex. And we'll probably revisit The Bridge and, of course, Falling Skies. And maybe some, obviously, The Strain. Uh, still has a couple more weeks of me watching before I okay. give up the show. If you'd like to send us feedback, you can do so at tv at baldmove.com. You can also participate in our uh, show slash podcast threads on facebook.com slash baldmove. And you can tweet right at Jim for all your Falling Skies in-depth discussions on Twitter at baldmove. Or as in-depth as you can get in 140 characters. Yep. Uh, that's all I got, man. Okay. Hope you've enjoyed it. Yeah. Yeah, we'll be back in a couple weeks. And until then, I'm Jim. I'm Aaron. <laughs>